Welcome to The Heart Podcast, a Christian podcast featuring sermons from The Heart Church and impromptu episodes covering a wide variety of topics. We hope you enjoy. Amen. Good afternoon. It's good to be together. Uh, I literally just uh, drove up from the south and spoke down at the south and had a great service down there. Uh, Dave and Jenny, have uh, they, they got ill, their, house, their household is sick, and so they need somebody to sub in. And so I appreciate uh, being able to be in the South, being able to be with you all today. We're going to turn open our Bibles to Luke 16. Luke 16, in verse 19. You guys realize I want to share something with you. Um, there's a quote that I read this week, and, it, it, and I've seen it before. But I just, I was reminded of it this week uh, by Chesterton. It says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. It says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Meaning that Christianity is, is not like someone... Uh, put all into practice the things that God tells us to do in following Jesus. In fact, oh, that mess don't work because it's, 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 it's hollow. No. It's that the majority of people find it too difficult and they don't keep going or they don't try it at all. The majority of people who say, oh, that Christianity stuff is just a crutch, have never put it into practice. One of the most difficult things that you will ever undertake in your life is becoming a Christian. It's choosing to follow Jesus, choosing the path of discipleship and learning and sitting at Jesus' feet. Because it doesn't just require you retaining knowledge or memorizing scriptures. It actually requires a putting into practice of what Jesus says. It is super, super hard. So I tell people all the time, you want to know, it's difficult. If you're a high school student, being a Christian is really, really tough. How many of you guys could have done it as high school students? Could have been disciples of high school students? There are very, very few of us that could have done it. I know I didn't have the character to tell the truth in high school. Man, please. I admire those that have done that, that undertake. But it's difficult. All of the pressures, you know, I, I know we have like all these cultural pressures, but mind you, being in high school... And for the boys, your brains aren't fully formed. And then you got to deal with all these pressures coming at you. And you got to say, man, Jesus, Lord, today, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to give into the, the, you know, the impure talk, the obscenity, all that stuff. I'm going to make sure my life and doctrine match up. I'm not going to live a double life. Man, listen, I, I praise those that have made that choice. It's hard. You know, as a campus student, man, it's hard to be a Christian. It's difficult. You're, you're on campus and now nobody's, on, no, nobody's in your house telling you, hey, did you read your Bible today? Nope. You got to get up and do it on your own. And then you got all the freedom in the world and the pressure from classes. And then people are more aggressive, like more. I know they, they talk about this whole sexual revolution that happened in the 60s and 70s. Man, listen, y'all don't know nothing about today. It is wild on these campuses. Can I get an amen from campus students? It is hard. It is hard. It is hard to be a Christian. You know what? And if, let's say, 
you, maybe you didn't go to God. You say, I, you know, you're in the workplace. You know, got no kids. It's just you in the workplace. It's really hard being a Christian. It's super difficult because now you got some money and then you got to pay rent and now you got all these pressure, but then you got all this freedom. It's super hard. And then you feel maybe cultural pressure. Like, why am I not in a relationship? You feel all this cultural pressure outside in the world. And then you feel it in the church. And then you, you know, depending, you may have a, a, your own eternal biological clock going. You may have all these things. Happen. It's hard to manage all that and be a Christian. And then if you're married. Yes. Call on his name. Because now, not only do you have your own stuff. You got this person over here with all their stuff too. And now the two stuffs become one big old stuff. It's hard. Loving somebody through hormonal changes and mood changes and selfishness and, and pride and all. Oh my gosh, it's hard. Now, drop a kid in there. And no sleep. Oh, now drop two kids in there. Oh, Lord. Drop a third. Now. And you've got to raise them as an example of, in Jesus. When you're tired, you haven't slept, you've got to deal with the spouse. And you've got to deal with your job. Oh. And cultural pressures and family pressures. Oh, let's just say, by chance, you have a child and you do not have a spouse. And it's just you and your kid. Oh, Lord, help me. It's hard. At every stage of the Christian life, it's very difficult. Many that complain about Christianity just have never tried it. And those that have tried and said it don't work because they haven't persevered. I don't have time to talk about what it's like getting older in Christ, facing your mortality in Christ, facing health challenges, seeing people around you pass away. And you're in Christ and you've got to figure out after all these years of, of you know, of zeal and then, and then, and then, and trouble. Oh man, it's really, really difficult. We praise God for his grace. Today's lesson prayerfully will encourage you, but it's, I'm going to add on to the challenges today. We're going to look at Luke 16 verse 19. Today, you know, we've been talking about oikos and this whole idea of, God's household and 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 we are uh, we are God is supernaturally or and strategically Acts 17 24 through 28 he's supernaturally and strategically placed us exactly where we need to be so that we can find God and so that others around us we can lead them to Jesus that's what God has done now here the title of the lesson is the family that we never knew that whole idea of oikos is household or family it's the family that we never knew. And I want to share something and just some thoughts. And I, I, was, I literally had an entirely different lesson, kind of a, a companion lesson for last week. And the spirit, I believe, directed me. And we'll see. If it's convicting, then it's a spirit. If it's, if it's not, then it's me. The family we never knew. Verse 19, chapter 16. The Bible reads, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's stable. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. 
The time came when the beggar died and the angel carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed or set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come, they will not also Come to this place of torment. Abraham replied. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And in essence he's telling them. Let them listen to the Old Testament. The Torah. The law. Let them listen to the word of God. Let them listen to them. No father Abraham he said. Even while he's in torment. He's telling Abraham no. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Speaking about himself. I know some of us have read this before. This is one of the more challenging passages for me. In reading it, I think there's several things to there's several things to consider as it describes as Jesus. And, and in context, as I'm reading reading through the context, I'm like, wow, it, it it doesn't seem to fit. It's like this story right in the middle of all these other things. But God, through Jesus here, is is teaching us a lesson. And I think there are several lessons for us. And the title of the lesson is The Family We Never Knew. And as I read this, I, and I'm sure as we think about this, we think about this man. It says he lived in luxury every day, dressed in fine purple you know, uh, clothing. And again, at that time, uh, purple clothing was kind of the symbol of royalty and wealth. If you read in uh, Acts chapter 16, Lydia, she was a dealer in Paul, they Paul the Silas, they were on a missionary journey, they get to Philippi, and they meet Lydia. And she was a so she was actually help. She was actually uh, that was her uh, uh, profession, and she was dealing to the wealthy. So she herself was wealthy, and so this whole idea of being dressed in purple, you mean red royalty and wealth and all these things. And so this dude, this dude, the rich man, was uh, clothed in this. And it says that every day, and depending on your the translation you read or how you read it, it meant he ate sumptuously every day. He said about that. 
Then it says the beggar died. Oh, actually, before we get there, it says he longed to eat uh, just what came off of Lazarus' table. It says then he died. And then you know who else died? The rich man. And if you read the Proverbs, it says both rich and the poor have this in common. You know what happens though? We all take it out in this life. We all die. Nobody's getting out of this thing alive. Not one of us. It don't matter how wealthy you are, how good looking, whatever your whatever your status thing is, guess what? Whoever's on the opposite end of your status thing, you gotta both be right here in the middle. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We all die. And here's the thing about this. And God is teaching us something here. He says, don't look at kind of the current state of what's going on. Think about the eternal consequences of your life. It says the rich man, every day he lived in luxury, he ate sumptuously, and Lazarus had nothing. He begged just longing for scraps and got nothing. But he died and was with God. And Lazarus, the rich man died, he was, where was he? Separated in agony. There's a few things for us to learn. And I read this and I shared this a few years back in the North, here in the, in the North region. And it was something that struck me. And in this context, as we've been talking about oikos, do you realize that the rich man was responsible to help Lazarus? He was in his oikos. judge the rich man all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, you think of the callous dude stepping over the guy, you know, stepping over the, you know, multi-billionaire stepping over here, don't mess up my shoes, get out of here. And I remember preaching this and thinking, you know what? What if Lazarus was in my neighborhood? What if he was in your, all, all, one of your streets? He was over there off Richard Lane. He's over here off, you know, uh, Timothy Terrace or wherever. He's on Robin Street. And there's Lazarus laying in front of your house on the sidewalk in the public way. What would you do? What would you do? I know what I would do. Call Aaron West from the Police Department. shared this, uh, he shared this in the, in the South region, the, the whole idea of his, his clothing being made of purple cloth, it even describes his underwear. There's a word that describes the underwear that he was wearing as even that 
trying to, he's trying to teach him something. He's trying to teach us something. He says, look, uh, uh, you know, he walked by him every day. They both died and they faced God. And so one of the things that I think was important for us to understand, and less so materially, but more so spiritually. Spiritually, if you were a disciple of Christ and you were a part of this fellowship, you are incredibly wealthy. You are incredibly wealthy. You realize that even on the worst day of the church, it is way better than any day in the world. It is more enriching spiritually. That's what you've heard in the singing, in the community, whatever. Forget the lesson. Everything you've already got is more than the majority of the world gets. The hug that you've already received. Somebody being nice to your child. And you come in and have the same place for your family. Well, you know you can come in and be loved and not judged. so funny. In all the other stories and everything, you know, you have the rich young ruler. Uh, you know, he does name Zacchaeus. That's interesting. But in all these other things, we don't, this reads like a parable, but God uses a name. And that name is, that the name that he uses here, uh, Lazarus means uh, Eliezer, which means God's help. And the rich man was supposed to be the help to Lazarus. The rich man was supposed to be that help. And honestly, the rich man didn't realize, but that Lazarus was there to help him. He was a messenger of God to help him. He put him in his life. Somebody he didn't want to deal with, didn't want to die. He put him in his life to help him get closer to God. Do you realize there are people in your life right now, spiritually speaking, that God has placed that are literally filthy and dirty, but God has put them there, not necessarily so much for them, there to help that rich man. Had that rich man encountered him, maybe, maybe Lazarus could have shared the faith that he had with the rich man. Because even though in his poor state, and I think there's another lesson to us about prosperity. Prosperity is not necessarily equal spirituality or proximity to God. Because it says that here, though it looked like he was far from God because he was not blessed materially in the world, but when he got he was next to Abraham. Comforted. While Lazarus was in agony. And so spiritually, sometimes we can, uh, I think it's important for us to understand, we think that, oh, when we're getting all these blessings, sometimes we may need to ask ourselves, okay, God, do I need to be warned about something? Because spiritual, physical blessings aren't, aren't always, always a blessing. You guys with me? Sometimes God's like, you want it? Here you go. Here you go, and it, brings, it draws us further away from God. I've known people that have prayed, that haven't been able to have children, that prayed and they got pregnant, and once they got pregnant, once they had their child and that child was healthy, they walked away from God. Because now God has given them everything they wanted, and they're, they're too busy, they're too tired, and now they've got to deal with their children. And it is not a blessing, but a curse. Lazarus 
was close to God and Lazarus had something that the rich man needed and the rich man missed it because he did not realize that that man was in his oikos. It was part of God's household for a reason. And brothers and sisters, I think for us the question is, are we recognizing those around us that even repel us internally? And we've got to be honest about that. There are certain personality types and people that are hard to deal with. It is very well possible. And I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out a little bit. It is very well possible that some of you may have a hard time dealing with He was thinking he was blessed. He was thinking, again, a little bit of conjecture. He had all, you know, I'm sure he thought materially he was good, but he needed that man in his life. And for us, we've got to understand that God places people in our lives for a reason. And I want you to think about the people that you have that literally, the, the, the people in your lives, they may be in your family, they may be in your neighborhood, whoever they are, you've got to think about who those people It's been the biggest blessing. I never thought uh, 15 years ago, August 24th is when we moved here. And uh, we were doing just fine in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we were, you know, we had our purple underwear on. We had a big old house, a pool, and all that stuff. Uh, we had little Tyler, who was not even a year old. And then God called us to come up here. And, and I had never, I didn't know anything about Hartford. I didn't know Honestly, I just, I think CCSU just made the tournament that March. And so I just saw for the first time, I was like, Who are, what's a central Connecticut state? What is that? Uh, and didn't know anything about this place. The most I knew about Connecticut was from the Dick Van Dyke show, because uh, he was from uh, Greenwich, I think it was. He was advertising. That's, I'm old. Anyway, <laughs> Google it and you'll see. That's the only thing I knew. And did not know Jimmy Allen, did not know any of that. And then God called us to come up here. And uh, <laughs> we called us to interview on uh, Memorial Day. I got in trouble because uh, I called in for my job and I got, I got in big trouble. I got put on probation on my job. But anyway, uh, I came up. We had two services. I, didn't, I thought I was just preaching one and I was preaching two and the New Britain building didn't have any AC. And uh, I, after one sermon, I was like, whew, can't wait to get out of here. And Jimmy was like, oh, no, we got an 11, 11.30 service, too. <laughs> and uh, wrote it. Bob Overly, I think, picked me up from the airport. And, uh, I, I can't, yeah, Bob and Jim picked me up. And his, I don't know if you guys remember his little brown Toyota or whatever that thing was. Uh, and, you know, I'm driving through Hartford, and, you know, we go. And, and 
and he's like, oh, they're like, oh, here's downtown. And then like 30 seconds later, he's like, oh, we're out of downtown now. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, coming from Los Angeles to Orlando, now here. Hartford has saved me. It's brought back my love to serve in the ministry. Uh, brought some of the best friends. God has, I needed this place. I did not need uh, my 4,000 square foot house, nor the pool that we had, nor uh, all the empty rooms in that house. I needed here to be saved. Uh, I did not need the wealth that we were pursuing. Um, we, in our marriage, uh, for my sons, we needed Hartford. And God has brought us here. Not saying that Hartford was a place where the dogs licked the sores. <laughs> I'll just say it's not L.A. or uh, New York or Chicago or wherever. But God brought us here, and it's been a blessing. And what I would share with each one of you is as the church grows, the only way that we are going to be the oikos that God wants us to be is we've got to, we've got to open up, open up our eyes to see what God sees. And there are more people that are welcome on him to the heart and to his oikos than we've ever than we've seen before. They may not be wealthy. They may not be generally uh, is defined by the average member of the heart. There is a lot more out there. You guys with me? And what, what that will bring into the church, and again, on the, on the conversely, there are people that are incredibly wealthy that need to be reached too. They don't realize that they need us. We may be Lazarus to them. You guys with me? It's a big, big house. Unfortunately, uh, the rich man, it was too late for him. Because once it's done, once the curtain is closed on our lives, there is no other chance. And I don't understand totally, and we're not going to get all into the theology of, of them being able to see, uh, the rich man being able to see Lazarus. Uh, we're not going to get into them being able to see him. Uh, and what, what all that means, because I don't understand all that. But what I will say is this, once that door is closed, it's closed. And even on the other side, even on the other side, even in agony, the rich man's heart doesn't change. And I think there comes a point uh, in his life, there's no longer any opportunity for change. His fate is sealed. His heart was sealed. And he was still like, send Lazarus. Send him on that errand for me. Have him just dip his... Come and have him serve me. He was fixed. There comes a point in time in our lives, brothers and sisters, if we do not respond, and, and it says it here, where uh, uh, he says, you know, oh, send Lazarus to my brothers they, to warn them. And he says, if they don't listen to the Bible, nothing is going to help them. Even if someone raises from the dead, and speaking about, even if that happens, it don't matter. If they're not going to obey, if they're not going to be responsive to the word, nothing is going to matter. 
and I would say the same for us today, God gives us his word, is there are, there are Lazarus all around us. And we've got to examine who those Lazarus are in our way so that we can reach out to them. But we've got to be careful that our hearts don't become so insular. We're just looking at our little world and what we've got. We, you know, our little family, oh, we're happy. We've got a lot of friends in the church. That we forget about the world. And then eventually we get stuck. And then we look around, you know, on the other side. And we're like, you know, Lord, Lord, you know. Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we sing? Didn't we share for communion? Didn't we do this? He says, away from me, I never knew you. Those are things that we've got to be mindful of. Amen? A simple challenge for us. And this is not, again, this is not for us to go on out into the world and just say, go, you know, share with a thousand. No, 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 no. I don't believe that that's what God is calling us to. God is calling us to look internally and say, okay, God, how am I like the rich man in my life? Who are the Lazaruses around me that I need to reach out to? Who are the people that, that, that are hard for me? And they may be in the church. There may be people in the church that are really hard for you to deal with. Where you're like, I need to love them. And God keeps putting them back in your life over and over again. And again, totally not connected, but it's so awesome to have Lindsay here. She's not a hard person to deal with. I literally just thought, let's see, stand up, please. She's not a hard person to deal with. Not for me, but for some, maybe. But uh, Lindsay is trying to come back to Hartford. She graduated from University of Hartford, obviously, during the pandemic. You're not trying to come back to Hartford? She is, I'll just put it out there. God, hear that. Any case, uh, she's praying, she's applying for uh, grad schools. She applied for PA schools, so pray that she can be back at Hartford with us. Amen. Uh, but God, is, he puts people in our lives. He puts people in our lives so that we can reach out. For us, we've got to pray about our hearts because, honestly, it may not, the, the work is not for us to go out and meet all these people and do all this stuff. The work is for us is just to go to God and say, God, help me not to be like the rich man. Help me to see the opportunities that are sitting right at my doorstep that I'm missing. Help me, God, to be willing, to be willing to reach out to the Lazaruses. Amen? Amen. That's our lesson. The family we never knew. Let's go ahead and stand up. We've got one more song and we're done. Thank you for listening to The Heart Podcast. To learn more about The Heart, visit us online at hartfordchurch.org.